and pick up your copy. If you fill in the membership form um, or renewed your membership, uh, and also those who were baptized recently, your baptism certificate should be available there, so please pick it up from the information desk. I uh, just want to reiterate what we've been saying a couple of uh, for over the last few Sundays about the meetings with Pastor Amos. I want to encourage all of us to be here uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, please plan on being here. Uh, we do this on purpose. The reason we invite outside guests to come and minister is because God has placed his anointing and gifting in many men and women of God around the world, and we must learn to receive through them. Um, and uh, as Paul said to, to, the, to the Romans, he said, when I come, I want to impart to you some spiritual gift. So uh, we expect, and as a church, as these men and women of God come and minister to us. So please plan on being here. Uh, Friday and Saturday, they'll have three sessions. There'll be one at 10, second one at 2, and then the last one in the evening at 6 or 6.30. Uh, that'll be on Friday and Saturday. And on Sunday, we'll have two, one at 10.30, which is our regular service, and then again in the evening uh, at 6.30. Uh, so please plan on uh, uh, attending and being there and just spending time in the presence of God. Uh, today at 1 o'clock, right after this service, uh, we're going to have our pa Meet the Pastors luncheon. So those of you who've been attending uh, All People's Church for the last few months and you've been considering becoming a member of the church, and you'd like to meet all the pastors here who serve you and ask questions, get to know more about the church, ask questions, uh, please stay back. It's at 1 o'clock. Uh, we'll have lunch together. We'll have a presentation about the church. Uh, we'll give you information about the church. And uh, you're welcome to ask questions that will help you in making your decision to become members of All People's Church. Uh, we, will do, we, we plan to do this once in three months. So... Uh, we will have this on an ongoing basis every three months where we will have the Meet the Pastors luncheon and we will do this together. All right, so let's stand up to our feet. We're going to make our declaration this morning. Just cheer up the person sitting next to you. Give them a big smile. Everyone looks so dull. And Come on. <laughs> and let's, let's raise our Bibles up together. Let's say this together. This is God's Word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by his word. Christ is my master. And to him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Give a high five to the person sitting next to you. Slap on the back. Give them your name if you don't know who they are. And introduce yourself. And maybe seated. We've been spending several Sundays. And today is the sixth Sunday in this series on prayer, where we've been talking about prayer and, and trying to increase our, uh, not only our understanding, but increase our life, our lives of prayer. Amen? And uh, so this morning we're going to continue our study on prayer and uh, our growth in, in, the, in the knowledge of prayer and hopefully this will change our prayer lives. What we've covered so far, we've talked about why to pray, why do we pray? We talked about the fact that God answers prayer. We talked about 
different kinds of prayer. We also talked about God's instructions on prayer. We talked about the Lord's, Lord's prayer. And, uh, uh, and last Sunday we went through about 10 instructions on prayer and, and how we should come to God in prayer. This morning I want to talk about developing your personal prayer life. Developing your personal prayer life. And just want to share some practical things on, on how to really have a strong prayer life. Now when we talk about our prayer life as believers, there are two dimensions to it. There is the personal prayer life and then there is the corporate prayer life. The corporate prayer life is when we do prayer together, maybe as a family or maybe in a cell group, in a prayer group. Or as a local church when we pray together. Or when we pray together in bigger meetings in the citywide church. All of this consists of the corporate prayer life. And we will talk about this at a later time. But this morning I want to focus on that dimension of our prayer life. Which has to do with our personal private time of prayer. I want to talk about our personal prayer life. Amen. See, it's one thing to learn about prayer and how to pray and the wonderful things about prayer, but it's totally another thing to really do it. Amen? And so this morning, I'm going to keep it very practical, encouraging us so that we can be encouraged to really pray and have a strong, personal life of prayer. Amen? There's one word which not many believers like, and it's called discipline. You know, growing up as kids, we didn't like it when our parents disciplined us. Went to school, we didn't like it when our teachers disciplined us. You come to church and the pastor disciplines and we don't like it. And God disciplines and we don't like it. But discipline is an essential part of life. Amen? Do you like it or not? We need it. And so also in the Christian life, Discipline is an integral part of our life. We can't live the Christian life without being disciplined. Amen? We need it. Discipline simply means to be closely controlled, to be regimented. We like to be free. No schedule. Just float around. You know, like a jellyfish. No shape, no definition. So we can't identify you with the really Christian or not. But the thing is this, if you really want to live the Christian life, you have to be disciplined. Paul wrote about this, you know, in several places, but we're just going to look at one of them in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. So the point I want us to understand is this, we must have a disciplined prayer life. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. Paul said, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain or that you may win. So he says, many people run the race, but only one wins the prize. I want you to run in such a way that you're going to win. Amen? Meaning there is a seriousness. You've got to do this with your heart and mind and soul. You've got to do this to win. Amen? Run the Christian race in such a way that you are running to win the race. Then he continues in the next verse. He says, 
And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate things. The word temperate simply means they exercise self-restraint, self-control, self-discipline, self-governing. Everyone who runs the race is temperate, is self-disciplined, self-restrained in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we... The assumption there, or the it's implicit there, he says, but we are temperate, or we are self-restrained, we are self-controlled, we are self-disciplined. For what purpose? Because we are going after an imperishable crown. Amen? So every believer is supposed to be temperate, meaning self-controlled, self-governing, self-disciplined, by the strength of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We cannot live indisciplined lives. As Christians, the Bible uses the analogy of being a soldier, being a farmer, being an athlete. All these are examples of people who are highly disciplined. Amen? And so also he says, uh, we are temperate, we are disciplined because we are going after an eternal crown. We are going after something that's of eternal value. And therefore we uh, exercise self-discipline, self-governing. And he continues in verse 26 as he applies it to himself, his life, his ministry. Paul says, therefore us, that means it's the way I run, not with uncertainty, but thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So Paul is saying, hey, I'm disciplined. I keep my body in subjection and control because I'm running this race. I want to run to finish. I want to run to win. Amen. So there is the need for us to be uh, disciplined in our lives. When, when it comes to prayer, we need to develop a disciplined prayer life. Amen? Thank you for the few amens. Daniel was a man who had a disciplined pr prayer life. So let's go to Daniel chapter 6. And look at verse 10. Chapter 6 and verse 10. By this time, Daniel was a president of a kingdom. Next in line to King Darius, in charge. A man with great responsibility. I'm sure he had lots of work pressures. I'm sure he had lots of things to attend to. And yet, look at his life. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. Now, now what happened, you know the story, you know the background where some of the other governors wanted to displace Daniel. So they came up with a scheme. They went to the king. They said, King, we want you to sign a decree that if anybody prays to anybody else other than you, they, they will be thrown into a den of lions. So the king signed this decree. Daniel heard about it. But here's what he did in verse 10. It says, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his, what? Let me hear you. In his, in his, in his upper room or chamber or in his own room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. I like that. Amen. This was not. Dialing 911, heaven. Emergency call. This was something he did from his early days. Amen. 
So you can see that Daniel, though he was a man in such an eminent position, he had a disciplined life of prayer. And it was something that he developed from the time he was young, since his early days. Amen. A man was disciplined in his prayer life. And it tells us two very important things. We can infer from this passage that Daniel had a set place of prayer. He went to his upper room or his chamber. He had a set place to pray. And he also had a set times of prayer. Because it says he prayed three times every day. And this was the way he did it from his early days. Meaning this was his habit. This was his discipline. A set place and a set time. Amen. So the first thing that we must have if we are going to develop a disciplined life of prayer is this. We need to have a set place and a set time of prayer. Amen. I'm not saying that that's the only place you can pray and that's the only time you can pray. But if you're going to have a disciplined life of prayer, if you're going to develop a, a, a strong prayer life, this is just from a practical standpoint, an essential thing. Have a set place to pray and have a set time to pray. Now here are some common objections to this. You know, some of us who are just spirit-led. We don't like any discipline. So... First thing we say is, you know, I let the Holy Spirit lead me. But you know, most people who say, you know, I don't want to set place. I don't want to set time. I'm just totally free. I don't like all these, you know, rules and regulations. I just let the Holy Spirit lead me. You ask them at the end of the week. How many hours did you pray this week? How much time did you actually spend this week? And most often than not, these people who are led by the Holy Spirit in prayer usually don't end up spending much time in prayer. Why? Not because the Holy Spirit is not leading them, it's just that they don't listen enough. Or even if they do listen, they don't respond. So I'd rather that we follow the example of Daniel, have a set time and a set place, whether you feel led or not, you show up. Amen. This will ensure that you maintain a disciplined life of prayer. That you're not just waiting for the wind to blow from somewhere. To lead you into your prayer closet. Your set place could be anything. It could be a rooftop. It could be a park. It could be a living room. It could be a bedroom. It could be your study room. It could be anything. But it's a place that you know that's where you show up for prayer. And a set time. You know that you're going to spend that kind of time uh, in prayer. Now somebody else will say, you know, I pray as I go through the day. I don't need a set time. I don't need a set place. You know, I just pray from morning till evening. I just pray as I go through the day. You know, that's very, very spiritual. It's wonderful and we need to do that. But we must understand that there are some things that happen in our lives during set apart, dedicated times of prayer, which will not happen in those intermittent, sporadic times of prayer that you have during the course of your day. Amen? Because during the course of your day, suddenly, you know, you think of something, say, God help me, Amen. Then you go around there, you're waiting in line, say, God help me, Amen. So you're saying, you know, I'm praying the whole day. Wonderful. But those five minute popcorn prayers. 
really will not do much for you. You need that separated, dedicated time of prayer when can God can do something of significance in your life. Somebody else might say, you know, I'd rather work than pray. And it's true. I am not saying stop working and only pray. Please, you work. Do your work 8 to 10 hours or 12 hours. How many hours you have to work? Work and don't pray during that time. I mean in the sense, pray inside but do your work. But outside of that, you need to have dedicated times of prayer. We need both. Prayer is where the real action happens. Somebody else might say, I don't have enough time to pray. Just talk to Daniel. Daniel was man, was very, very busy. Running an entire nation and yet he had time. To, he, he could take three times a day to go and pray. He knew what it was to be disciplined. We can learn something from the life of Jesus as well. If you turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Just look at some things about the life of Jesus. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 1 rather. Mark 1 and verse 35. How, what, what can we see in, in, the, in the life of Jesus? In his prayer life. Mark chapter 35. It says here. Now in the morning. Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Example of Jesus. He woke up early in the morning, went away to a quiet place, and he prayed. I'm pretty positive, pretty sure that this was his practice. Isaiah the 50, 50th chapter, the 4th verse talking about Jesus says, He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to hear as the learned. So it's, it was his practice. Rising up early. Now, I don't know why, but the Bible gives us many references of seeking God early in the morning. Amen? This is not to say that heaven's prayer tower closes down at 5 p.m. And after that, if you call, nobody's there to answer. It's not that. God is awake all the time and he hears us all the time, middle of the night, any time of night or day. But for some reason, the Bible talks more about seeking God early in the morning. Amen. Just look at some references here with me. We quickly go through them. Psalm 57 verse 8. Psalm 57 verse 8. And Psalm 108 verse 2. They both say the same thing. But we just read Psalm 57 verse 8. The psalmist says, Awake my glory. Awake lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. Meaning I will rise up early in the morning. Psalm 63 and verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Earth seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry, thirsty land where there is no water. Isaiah 26 and verse 9. Isaiah 26 and verse 9. As with my soul have I desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me, I will seek you early. 
For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. This is not to make those who are night owls feel bad. No, I'm sorry. You pray at any time of day that you want to. But it's nice to give God the cream of your day. Amen. The best part of your day. When you're awake, when your body is awake, alert, and your mind is alert, and you can seek God with your spirit, soul, and body. Amen. But many of us tend to push this off towards the end of the day when our mind is so tired, our body is so tired, and we are trying to seek God, and and, uh, we get lost in the process. So I want to encourage us, you know, learn, let's learn from Jesus. Let's seek God with our best. If morning is your best time, then do it in the morning. And I encourage all of us to do it that way. But if you're better at night or whenever, whenever you're wide awake, when you can set aside time just to go after God, do it. The second thing we see from the life of Jesus is this, that he made time to pray. So first, he, was, he had early morning prayer that was his discipline. Secondly, he made the time to pray. Luke chapter 5, verses 15 to 16, kind of gives us insight into the life and ministry of prayer life specifically. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16 says, However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness, prayed. He withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. I mean, Jesus, look at this. It says multitudes were coming to him. They wanted his time. They wanted to be prayed for. They wanted to hear him speak to them. Great multitudes were coming to him from all across the town. His schedule was booked. He was busy till three years. Down the road. Fully packed. No more appointments to give. And yet it says in the next verse, he withdrew himself. Amen. It tells us something. That Jesus made a purposeful decision to get away from the busyness of life to go and pray. Amen. I think we need to do that. We need to withdraw ourselves. We need to say, you know, Enough is enough. I need time out. I need time to be alone with God. We must learn to withdraw ourselves from the busyness of life and go and seek God. He withdrew himself. My Bible says he himself often withdrew. That means this was an ongoing thing. He did it often just to take time away. Go away to the wilderness, a quiet place, and pray. Matthew chapter 14 verses 22 and 23. Another example here. Matthew 14, 22. Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. Doing some amazing things. Verse 22 says, immediately immediately he just fed 5,000 people. If you and I were there, we'd say, okay, it's time for praise report. Just tell me how good I am. <laughs> tell me nice things about me. I've just done wonderful things for you. We call it praise reports. Yeah. 
But what did Jesus do? He had just fed these 5,000 people immediately. It says, He made his disciples get into the boat before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away. First thing he did, he got rid of those who were closest to him. His disciples. Guys, get in the boat and go. Sometimes we need to do that. Our closest friends could become our biggest hindrances to our prayer life. Why? Because we want to spend time with our buddies. Jesus could have hung out with the twelve and said, Hey guys, twelve, you know, you saw this wonderful miracle. Tell me how wonderful I am. But no, he said, he got his disciples in a boat and he sent them away. And next thing he did, he turns down to the multitudes and he sends them away. Sometimes we need to do that. Those who are taking time. Please excuse me. Next verse. And when, verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, what did he do? He went up on the mountain by him to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Right after this great miracle, what does he do? Gets the people out. Gets the crowd out of his life and says, I need to be alone with the Father. Amen. I can tell you, you know, we need to come to that place of discipline. If you expect life to give you time to pray, I can tell you, life will not. Amen. You've got to make the time. You've got to learn to withdraw yourself. You've got to say, I need this time alone. Separate yourself from those closest to you and from those demanding your time. And the next thing we also see in the life of Jesus is this, that he spent extended times in prayer. Luke chapter 6 verse 12 says that he went up into the mountain and he continued all night to God. So he had extended times of prayer. All night is a long time. Amen. So I think we need to adapt that practice into our lives where from time to time we just get away for an extended period of time, maybe a day, maybe the all-night all prayer we have once a month, and just spend an extended time of prayer. So early morning prayer, disciplining yourself to withdraw from things that take your time away, send people out of your life close to you, crowds, send them out so you can make the time to pray and spend extended times in prayer. Amen? Some lessons to learn from Daniel and from the Lord Jesus. Now what I want to do in the remaining time, in the remaining uh, moments we have together is to give us some guidelines to developing a strong prayer life. These are some guidelines. These are not the Ten Commandments. Alright? Meaning, I'm just giving you some guidelines that can help us develop a strong prayer life. Just some practical things as we uh, spend the time together. And I want to just share with you, I want to encourage you, you know, from the time I was about 12 years of age, I began developing this discipline of early morning prayer. I would get up, you know, initially began to get up at 5.45, then moved it to 5.15, then moved it up to 5, then moved it up to 4.45, moved up to 4.30, moved up to 4. And so just began progressively moving it up until I said, you know, this is my time. Early morning. And from the age of 12, 
on through today, I've been doing it. It's my normal practice. Amen? Now, if there are times when you cannot do it, if you're traveling, you're spending, you know, several hours on the plane, your schedule is upset, you're on vacation, that's okay. You know, you know I'm not saying this is the, the law, but this is a normal practice. There can be some disruptions, you know, certain flexibility where sometimes you're traveling on vacation, you don't do it. Uh, you know, things, your schedule is disrupted, but when you come back, your normal schedule, this is it. So, if you're 12 years or above, I can tell you, you can do it. Amen? You can. You just have to discipline yourself to do it. You can. So, I want to share with you some things, okay? Um, practical things on developing your personal prayer life. Just some things here. Firstly is this. As we already said, maintain a set time and a place to pray on normal days. A set time and a set place. This is where I'm going to pray. It could be a living room, it could be a dining room, kitchen, whatever, the roof, the garden, the garage, wherever. You can find a quiet place where you will be undisturbed. Maintain a set time and a place to pray on normal days. It doesn't mean that you don't pray at other times. It doesn't mean you don't pray at other, other, pray at other places. But this is your regular time of prayer. Your disciplined time of prayer. And certain days, you know, if you don't go to that set place and have that set time, doesn't mean you're backslidden going to hell. Relax. No. Sometimes you won't be able to do it. Maybe you get up late, you've gone home, to, you've got to, gone to bed late, you get up late, it's okay. But that's the exception. It's not every day. That's the exception. But in other ways, in a normal day, you have a set time and a set place to pray. Secondly, have a format that you follow. See, the worst thing is this, you know, you've said, okay, I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock and I'm going to go into my prayer room, I'm going to pray. 5 o'clock, you show up in your prayer room and then you say, now what? You don't know what to do. And so what do you do? You end up watching and praying. Watch and pray. And you spend more time watching than praying. And you hope the clock goes faster. So to avoid that boredom, you need to have a format. You need to know what you're going to do when you get into that time, that set place, and to spend that set time with God. So have a format to follow. A format doesn't mean that this is the... It's not something that's rigid, that this is the only way you're going to pray. But at least you know what you're going to do when you get into that prayer closet, get into that time of prayer. Uh, and uh, yet you're not rigid. You don't become you know, religious about this thing, that this is the only way I can pray. And if God wants to change it, say, God, sorry, you have to follow my format. No, it's not like that. You are flexible. You allow the spontaneity of the Spirit to, uh, to interrupt you at any time and to lead you in any way. But yet, if it's a normal day, this is your format. So I want to give you my format of how I spend my time with God in the mornings and I'll just share this with you it doesn't mean that this is the way you have to do it you can adapt any any part of this but you need to have a good format that you can follow where that makes you effective helps you accomplish things in your life of prayer and helps you keep growing to new levels in your prayer life so here's my format and you can use it if you want or you could just develop your own format the first thing I do as I get into my time of prayer is to spend some time in praise worship, 
and thanksgiving. And just say, God, thank you that I'm awake now. Thank you for giving me a good night's rest. Thank you for yesterday. Thank you for, you know, whatever happened yesterday. The good things happened. You give thanks to God and, and you praise Him. You worship Him. Say, God, you're awesome. Thank you that I'm your son. Uh, uh, that, I, uh, that you're my father. This is the other father. Hallowed be your name part. You spend time worshiping God. And verse 4 says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. So you begin just by praying God and saying, God, this is a wonderful day. Thank you for this day. Thank you, God. Just, just spending some time in worship and prayer. The next thing I get into is a time of searching, confession, and refilling. And I like to do this regularly, every day. Searching, confessing, and refilling. What kind of things do I do in, in this time and, and when I'm praying? Now, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, the psalmist prayed. He said, search me, O God, and not. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So I say, God, you search my heart. God, see if there's anything in me that you need to put your finger on that you need to correct in my life. Search my heart, O God. And in Psalm 19, verses 12 and 13, Psalm 19, verses 12 and 13, the psalmist prayed, he said, O Lord, cleanse me from secret faults or in. Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep me from presumptuous sin. So you begin to pray and say, God, just expose things in my life that I may not be aware of. Amen? Because cleanse me from hidden faults, things that I may not even be aware of. Put your finger on those things. I want to be open and naked. And this is, you know, the time when you do 1 John 1, 7 through 9, where if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we've got fellowship with one another. And if we confess, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if God put my life, I say, God, that's the thing. I, I need cleansing. God, I need you to deal with that. Confess my sin if I've not already done it before. Get rid of it. Get it cleared. It's time when I say, God, I want to maintain a pure heart. I deal with the attitudes and motives of my heart. I check my heart before God and I say, God, are my motives pure? Are the attitudes of my heart right? In Psalm 51, verse 10, the psalmist spread, Create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart. Because God. So for me, it's a great priority that I have a pure heart, a clean heart. And I'll encourage you to do that. Say, God, check the attitudes. I mean, are my attitudes right? Are my motives right? And whatever. In my work, in my relationships, in the way I'm doing things in life. Are these things right? If they're not right, God, I need alignments. Amen? Those of you who have cars or bikes, you go for alignment from time to time. Right? So we need to go there. And it's nice if you can do it every day. Lord, I need to be aligned in the attitudes of my heart and the motives of my heart. Another thing I do during this time is to check my earthly relationships. Earthly relationships are very important because they affect our relationship with God. Hebrews 12 and verse 14, the Bible says, Follow peace with all men, holiness, without which no man can see God. Mark 11, 25, 26, Jesus said, When you pray, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against any, Heavenly Father will also forgive you. Amen? 
So I begin to deal. I say, Lord, my relation, earthly relationship, pray over your earthly relationships. A husbands and wives, that's so important because First Peter 3, 7, if there's a problem there, your prayers will be hindered. So you need to deal with it before you start praying. Deal with earthly relationships. Learn to release. Learn to forgive. Pray for healing and reconciliation to happen. In some cases, the relationship healed overnight. But you pray and say, God, I want it set right. I'm praying for healing and reconciliation. It may take some time, but at least you're in the right position there. Amen? So you deal with that before God. And then you ask for a fresh Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18, this Bible says, Don't be foolish, but understand what there is. And do not be drunk with wine, but be continually filled with the Spirit. So we need a continual filling of the Spirit. So God, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Psalm 92 and verse 10 says, I will be anointed with fresh oil. So God, anoint me afresh with the Spirit. Fill me anew with your Spirit. So you pray for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. So this is that part of prayer where you say, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. That's that part in prayer. Amen. Once I've done that, then I go back. The third thing, I just go back into a time of praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Just continue to pray, a little, worship God a little bit more. And then I move into a time of waiting on the Lord. Of waiting on the Lord. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So we need to wait upon the Lord before we can run and begin to pursue those things in prayer. You need to wait upon the Lord. You just need to allow yourself to be joined with the Lord so that you can renew your strength. How do I do this? I just spend the next 20, 30 minutes just praying in tongues. Just praying in the Spirit. What happens? The Bible says, he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself you begin to strengthen your life spiritually and every believer can pray in tongues there's no reason why you shouldn't have to amen every two months we have the baptism of the holy spirit service if you don't pray in tongues come on we pray with you get you filled with the holy spirit and release that heavenly prayer language in your life so that you can get you into this praying in the spirit amen I like the example of Anand sitting at the back over there. I haven't got his permission. I hope he hasn't copyrighted his testimony. But, you know, he came once to be prayed for, to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Nothing happened. He came a second time. Nothing happened. But he came the third time, last time we had this. I think it was in the month of February. And he started praying in tongues. Amen. So sometimes, you know, you come once, you get, you get disappointed and you just stop. No, I say, man, Go after it. So that whatever, whatever is there, hindering just gets moved out of the way, and then you begin to just pray. Amen? And Anand said, you know, when he started praying in tongues, it wasn't like few syllables. It was volumes coming out of him. Just flowings of really. But I think we can learn from that example that, you know, don't get discouraged if you've been prayed for one time, two times. Go there. Say, God, I need to have this. I need to have my heavenly prayer language. Amen? Because it helps you just wait on God and renew your inner man. And as you're waiting on God during this time, I also keep my ears and my mind alert to what God has to speak to me during this time of waiting on the Lord. So you're praying in the Spirit, but you're keeping your heart and mind open saying, God, is there anything you're saying to me? And it's a wonderful time because this can be the time and God gives you some great ideas. He gives you some direction for your life. He brings some correction in the way in which you're going. Or He speaks some new strategies. Anything. God can speak. 
Amen. He can speak answers to your problems. During this time of waiting on the Lord. Just give a simple example. Last week, we had a little issue in our Bible college. Some of our students uh, complained about all of us teaching stuff that we were not teaching properly. And uh, so one morning I was praying. I think it was, I don't know, one of those days last week. Uh, and I was just praying. And during this time, I was just praying, waiting on God. I saw an evaluation form. A quick table. Excel spreadsheet, names of all our teachers, and evaluate them in these, you know, seven to eight areas. Simple form. And tell the students, just rate each teacher in each of these categories on a scale of one to ten. Finished. As soon as I went to the office that morning, just took me about ten minutes to create this Excel sheet, printed it out, went to the students, as a students, you've got problems with the staff. Here, here's your chance. Evaluate each teacher on a scale of 1 to 10. Don't put 11. On a scale of 1 to 10 on all these areas. So simple. And then got the feedback, handed it back to our staff and said, you know, here's your grades. You're being graded by the students. We all need to do something about it. But you know, a simple idea, it's nothing profound, but a simple thing like that. When you're waiting on God, God can give you saying, okay, here's how you handle it. Amen? And like that, as you're waiting on God, God can give you some deep idea, some great business idea or a solution to a problem that you're struggling with or whatever. But you're just spending this time waiting on God and God can speak his ideas into your life, his thoughts into your life. Amen? They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. So that's that time of just waiting on the Lord. And sometimes while I'm praying in spirit, my mind can also meditate on scripture. So while I'm praying in the spirit, my mind is meditating on the word of God. I'm meditating on scripture. I'm getting some more revelation from the word of God. So it's just a matter of waiting on God and loving God to speak to you. You know that, that uh, message from two Sundays ago on the Lord's prayer. I received it a week earlier when I was praying in a hotel in, in, the, in, the, in the U.S. I was just praying in the spirit, just waiting on God, and suddenly my meditator kicked in. And all of a sudden, Lord's Prayer opened up. And I began to see, that, you know, this is the Lord's Prayer. And that was the message I came and preached to you two Sundays ago. Amen? Didn't read it in any book. It came while I was praying in the spirit. I'm not saying others, please, I'm not saying that this is the only way or the only unique thing. I'm not trying to make it big. But I'm just telling you, see, while praying in the spirit, waiting on the Lord, a whole message opened up on the Lord's prayer. And I came and delivered it to you. So things like this can happen while you're just waiting on God, just praying in the spirit. And, and, and you're able to take the word of God and, and, and do so many things will happen when you're just waiting on God. And then, then after the time of waiting on God, you've charged your batteries up. Now you're ready to run your motors and get some work done in prayer. Amen? So now beginning, I start beginning, I'm going to praying for specific things. The first thing I do is to pray for my own spiritual life. Amen? Not praying for the car or the bike. You're praying for your own spiritual life. You say, why do I need to pray for my own spiritual life? Because only when you are strong can you be of any use to help somebody else. 
Amen? So start praying for yourself, but just in case nobody else is praying for you. (laughs) Pray for your own spiritual life. I pray things like this. I say, God, I pray that I will be strengthened with might by your spirit in my inner man. I pray that I will be filled with the fullness of God. I pray that I'll grow up to the full measure of the stature of Christ. I pray that I'll grow up in all things to be like Jesus. Praying for your own spiritual growth and edification. Then you pray for the call of God on your life. For the anointing of God on your life. For the release of the gifts and the miracles and the supernatural thrill. Say, God, I want to... I want to grow in the call of God, the anointing of God. I want to fulfill the plan and purpose of God. Pray for the will of God in your life. Pray for specific victories in your life. This is what you're doing. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Starting with you. Praying for your own self. Amen? All those who say amen. The next thing I do after I've spent time praying for my own spiritual life is this. I pray for my spouse and children. Pray for my wife and children. So if you're married, the next most important relationship that you have uh, is your own spouse and your children. So as a husband, here's what I do. I pray for my wife. I pray for her spiritual growth. I pray for her to come into the fullness of the call of God in her life. For her to overcome her challenges and weaknesses. For the gift and the anointing of God to be released. For her to be activated uh, and to be activated through her life. I pray over her. And I speak the word of God over her life. I begin to declare that Amy is a virtuous woman. She's a, uh, her, her price is far above all rubies. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And her tongue is a law of kindness. Our children arise up and call her blessed. She is clothed with strength and honor. She's a wise woman. She builds up our home. And just begin to speak the word of God over her life. And pray for her. Amen. Then pray for my children. I begin to pray for the kids. Pray for their protection. Pray for their uh, for their growth in uh, spirit, soul and body. Pray for their well-being. Uh, begin to speak the word of God over their life. They can declare that they are mighty on the earth. That they are taught of the Lord and they have great peace. That God pours his spirit upon my children and they are and his blessing upon them. They are mighty in the classroom and mighty on the sports field. And just begin to pray over the kids. Amen. Now if you are not married. You can still pray for your future husband or your future wife. Amen. Pray into your future. Invest some time into your future. Say father I pray for the man I am going to marry. I pray he will be a good man. I pray that he, you know, that he will love you, that he will take care, he will take care of his wife and his children, Lord. And, and I pray for this man that he'll be strong in the Lord and, and he'll be able to fulfill the plan. You pray for him by faith. Or for your wife to be. Amen. Just a little confession here. I started doing that at the age of around 15, 16 or something. <laughs> so all of you teenagers, you can start doing it. Amen. Just pray in advance for your husband or your wife-to-be. Pray in advance for the children you're going to have. Pray in advance for the home you're going to establish. Nothing wrong in doing that. Amen? Advance booking your day. And third, then I get into a time of praying for the local church. So you can get into a time of praying for the local church. Pray for your pastor and the team of pastors who minister to you and serve you. 
Pray for your cell group leader. Pray for unity, strength, and growth of the church. You're just widening the circle now. And you're beginning to pray for the church and the, and the church family. So when I pray, I have to I pray first of all for, the, for our ministry team. Pray for the, uh, the ministers, their families, and name them and pray for them. Pray for our outreach ministers. Say, God, I pray for each one. That each one be strong. They will grow. They'll have victory in their life. They'll walk with wisdom. They will walk with the right heart. There will be unity among us. And we will be able to fulfill the plan of God. So pray over the leaders. It's so important. Amen? You know, your praying for the church leaders is absolutely important. You know, there's a Bible, the principle in the Bible which says, if you strike the shepherd, you can scatter the sheep. So the enemy has number one assignment is to strike the shepherd. But you, as the people of God, can raise up a shield of, of prayer around the shepherd and those who are serving you. So no matter what the enemy tries to do against the shepherd and against the pastors, there's a prayer shield around them protecting them. Amen? So the shepherd will not be struck and the sheep will not be scattered. So what you do there is absolutely important as you give back to your leaders who serve you in prayer. So pray for the local church. Pray for your leaders. And then you extend the circle and pray for specific individuals. That means you might know of your people in your cell group, in your friends, in your place of work, somebody who's requested prayer of you. So you're extending that circle and you bring them up before God in prayer. So some, you know, I might remember some people that I need to pray for. Pray for them at that time and just believe in, believe God for a, a move of God, a work of God in their life. So just extend that prayer circle a bit. And then extend the circle a little further and pray for the city. Or pray for the locality in which you live or a target area of the city. So extending your prayer circle a little bigger and praying for that particular area. And lastly, pray for your personal needs. Give me this day my daily bread. Amen? Just pray for your own needs. It's fine. Now, a couple of things. While you're doing this prayer, Learn to speak God's word over lives and over situations. Speak the word of God as part of your prayer time. Pray for the fulfillment of specific promises in the lives of people that you're praying for. Pray in tongues. Exercise your authority, your God-given authority in the spiritual realm as you're praying. So if you've got authority, so you pray over it. For example, if you're praying for somebody and you know that they're being attacked, you know, troubled emotionally, whatever you're being, you say, in the name of Jesus, I stand at the gap for so and so. I come against those demons that are attacking her or him and troubling her. I declare to you, demons, you will not trouble her. I bind your operations in Jesus' name. So part of your praying for the person is also you exercising spiritual authority on their behalf. They may never know you did it, but they'll receive the results of that. Amen? Another part of your time of prayer is to pull down strongholds, mental strongholds. For example, if you're praying for your child and your kid is just, you know, has, a, uh, has fear. Uh, fear of, you know, whatever, crowds of people or whatever. What can you do as a parent? You can pray and say, in the name of Jesus, I pull down the stronghold of fear in my son's mind or in my daughter's minds. Because there are mental strongholds that have been established there by the devil. We talked about it in our all-night prayer the last time we met how there are strongholds and God has given us weapons of warfare to pull down strongholds to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God amen 
So you do that for your child, you do that for your wife or your husband, or things like that. You, you, you begin to pull down strongholds and you will begin to see the results in their life. As you ex- use your God-given weapons to do, with, to, deal, to do these things. Amen? Your prayer life can be effective. And last two things. So this is your personal, private time of prayer, how you spend it with God. And there's nothing boring about this because each day can be so different. Some days when you're praying for your wife, the Lord leads you to pray for this. Another day when you're praying for your wife, the Lord leads you to pray for something else. You're praying for your kids, He leads you for something else. When you're praying for the people in the church, He leads you to pray. So each day is different, but you've got a format. You're not going there aimlessly. Amen? Last two things I want to say is, yes, you know, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. That means you are continually in an attitude of prayer. Throughout the day. So you've spent your time in prayer. You've come out of your prayer closet. You have your bath. Have your breakfast. Go to work. But your, your prayer time has not ended. You are continuing in your heart to commune with God. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice evermore. In everything give thanks. Pray without In everything give thanks. So this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Pray without ceasing. Morning till evening. Your heart is just constantly communing with God. You may be answering the phone and somebody's talking to you. You say, God, give me wisdom. What words should I say? Somebody's irritating you real bad. Say, God, give me grace to tolerate this person. Hey, you're praying constantly. They don't know you're doing it, but you know, inside you, you're drawing grace from God. Constantly pray. And in everything, give thanks. You're maintaining a thankful heart. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, you know, uh, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will be my mouth. Not just 45 minutes on Sunday morning. But all through the day, all through the week, His praise will be continually in my mouth. You walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Fellowship, constant communion with the Spirit of God. Now just a practical thing. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 and verse 4. But avoid foolish talking and questing because these are not fitting for the believer. Avoid foolish talking and coarse jesting because these are not fitting for a believer. Now we must have fun. I have my share of PJs. Sometimes I'm the only one who laughs at it, but And so you have fun, you, you know, you kind of like, you, you, you enjoy life. But if you get into that place where you are just foolish talking and coarse jesting and are making fun of, and just, you know, being lighthearted and, and just joking about everything, you know what? The Bible says that is not fitting for a believer. It's a misfit. It's not appropriate for a believer. And that can be the biggest hindrance from you praying without ceasing. Foolish talking and coarse jesting. Just joking and making fun. I used to have the problem a long time ago. God delivered me from that. I know He can deliver you. Amen? So you're kind of serious about life. But yet, you know, you're having fun. But you're maintaining a sense of soberness because you want to pray without ceasing. The moment you get into foolish talking and light jesting, forget it. You're not going to be praying with the decision because you're having something that's inappropriate for a Christian. And the last thing I want to say is have some prayer days. As I mentioned earlier, from time to time, take a full day to seek God. It could be once a month or an online prayer thing. 
Just say, God, I always want to spend time with you. Extended time of prayer. Amen? So in closing, you know, what will a strong prayer life do for you? What will a strong prayer life do for me? Several things. I just want to run through a list of things that will motivate us. You know, number one, it, it builds intimacy with God. When you have a strong prayer life, you're intimate with God. It is not that God loves you more. He loves us all the time. But you are personally intimate with Him. It builds intimacy with God. It helps us overcome temptation. When you're having a maintaining a strong prayer life, you're not going to give in to sin easily. Third, it brings our, our will in line with the will of God. As you have maintained a strong prayer life, it helps you maintain your will aligned to the will of God. Fourth, it renews us spiritually by strengthening our inner man. Our inner man is kept strong. Fifth, it creates spiritual sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. You can walk sensitive to the Spirit. When you're having a strong prayer life, you're sensitive to His leading. Anytime in the day, He can speak and you know His leading. It opens the door. Sixth, it opens the door for the Holy Spirit's activity. You can experience more of His working in your life when you have a strong prayer life. And number seven, it helps us de-stress. Amen? All of us from morning to evening, we're getting wound up in a place of work. Or college or school. All kinds of things. Get so much stress built into you. You and I need that time and we just de-stress. Amen? Just relax. Get all the tension out. It helps us de-stress. So, will all of us build a strong prayer life? Yes or no? Otherwise, I had to repeat this message next Sunday. <laughs> I really want to encourage all of us to develop a strong prayer life. Amen. See, eventually, we as a church, we as a church want to bring our corporate prayer to, play, to a place of strength. But the effectiveness of the corporate prayer life of the church is dependent on the depth of the personal prayer life out of its individual members. Amen. We as a church cannot have a strong corporate prayer life if as individuals we don't have a strong personal prayer life. Amen. The chain is as strong as the weakest I want to encourage you, you'll be a strong link in the chain. You can develop a strong prayer life. I've, I've given you some practical things here this morning. And, you know, you may not do a one hour tomorrow morning, but start with 15 minutes if you can. Extend it to 30 minutes. Grow it up to 45, and then it's an hour. You know, Jesus rebuked his disciples. Couldn't you tarry with me even for one hour? So you extend that to an hour every day. And then let it grow. An hour and fifteen. An hour and a half. Two hours. You can spend time with God. Amen. I believe all of us can do it. We just need the discipline. Have a set place. Have a set time. Learn to just get things out of your life. On purpose. You need to send people away. And say I need some time out. I need to pray. And then you go pray. And you can have a format that you follow. Pray. Use the word of God in your prayer life. And you will begin to see things happen. Amen. Let's rise up to our feet and we'll close.
Let's call the worship team up here this morning. and I want us to just wait on the Lord a few minutes. I want you to just pray a simple prayer and say, Lord, increase my prayer life.